0: Here's a final look at our series entitled The Measure of a Man. We would invite you to join us for this Monday broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, coming up next. Over the last couple of weeks, we have spent our time taking a look at Timothy, as well as Titus, and the qualifications that Paul lays out for those who would desire to be an elder or a deacon in the church. But really, as we have focused on these qualifications, we come to realize they're qualifications for anybody and everybody who simply profess the name of Christ. And that's what we're focusing on one last time today. From Valley Bible Church, here in Hercules, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard in the book of Titus. For today's broadcast of truth for today
1: all scripture is god's read verse 16 and is profitable for teaching or doctrine that simply means it tells you what you ought to believe about god creation human beings whatever it addresses it's profitable for telling you what to believe the teaching you believe something god says the Word of God was given to tell us what to believe sin, man, heaven, hell, death, life, all of it. So it's sufficient to do that. It also is sufficient for rebuking. Well, we don't really want that. A better word, I think, is the word convincing, convicting, because it's the word to, of a lawyer that it's able to take you to court and convince you that you're wrong. And I find that's very hard to do with human beings because the natural bent of a human being is I'm right. I'm right. It's her fault. Adam, why did you do it? Well, it's Eve. You'd give me a better wife. What do you expect? Well, Eve, I knew you'd be glad to accept the blame. What's your problem? It's the serpent. The serpent was. It is one of the hardest things in the world to get someone to own blame and own their own sin. If you think it's easy, you haven't counseled at all. You know, many times people come in marital conflict. Straighten her out. Straighten them out. Well, says, Could I leave them alone and work on you? No, I don't need it. They all encountered a privilege to live with someone like me. Okay, so we know where you're coming from, and what can I do for you? Nothing but straighten her out. Okay, anything else? And do it quick. I've ruined her in 25 years, straighten her out in 10 minutes. I'm going to have a little bit more time. Have you ever admitted you're wrong about anything? To the person you did the wrong to. It's hard. It's real hard. And God's word is that kind of an instrument in our lives. What I love about it, God can tell you off in private. I'd rather have him talk to me when I'm having my devotions than him blaring it over the loudspeaker to the whole church. He is a bozo in this area. I love it. That's why I want to have devotions. I'm afraid if I don't have devotions, God's going to tell you. God can convict you. Now, we used to use the term, they don't have any convictions. Have you ever heard that term? They don't have any convictions. They don't have anything they've been dealt with about. They don't have, they've never established the right or wrong in this area. The Bible is sufficient to convict all of us and convince us where we need to change change attitudes, change priorities, because God wants to change you. He loves you, and he saved you in sin, but he's not going to leave you the way he found you. He loves to change us so that we look and act like his son. I'm sorry. He likes Jesus more than he likes what he found in you and I. He wants us to be that. And so we've got a book that changes us by convicting us, and the next thing it does, it corrects us. And that is the idea, it sets you up straight, that you might walk straight. It's the idea that conviction knocks you down, I'm wrong. Correction sets you up, puts you on the right path. So the Bible is very balanced. It not only tells us where we're wrong and needs to change, it shows us the right path. That's good news. Don't go that way. That's the wrong way to do it. That's the wrong way to think, the wrong way to act. Well, the Bible's negative. Well, when you're going over a cliff, it's a negative message. But then he rescues you, puts you on this right path, you've been corrected. He goes on to say that it's useful for teaching us how to live right. Trains us in righteousness, right way of thinking, living. Notice its effect, that we might be adequate. NIV cut it out, and I think they blew it there. Uh, He says that he might be adequate and that he might be thoroughly equipped. The Bible, when you respond to it, believe what it believes, convicted of what it convicts you of, corrects you, trains you, you'll become adequate. That is, uh, you'll be competent to function the way God wants you to function. You'll also be equipped. You'll be so thoroughly furnished and it was used of outfitting a rescue boat with the oars and everything. You can function as God wants you to function in the body. And the believer that's, you're talking about a dysfunctional body. I'm not talking about your family. We're talking about a dysfunctional body is when you don't let the word of God do its work on the heart. You don't respond to its convictions. You don't let it train you in the right way to live. You become dysfunctional in the body, you'll probably become just a waste in the body. A member that won't act. A member that won't be adjusted. But he says the word of God can make you adequate and it can equip you for the journey. Now, I want to say something about uh, the sufficiency of scripture. In the last years, the church has been bombarded with this kind of thing God's word is sufficient for salvation, but it's not sufficient for telling me how to live. Or at least I reject it. And we run the psychology. Humanist counselors who the Bible does not determine what they say. And we act as though God doesn't have a word to us about our human problems. Hear me well. If you've got a tumor in your head, you don't need to see a pastor. You need to see a doctor. Okay? Just know that Rich and I won't try to do surgery on you. If you've got a tumor. If you came into my office and you were on lithium because of being a manic depressive, I wouldn't tell you to come off of lithium. Because I know you have a chemical imbalance and you need it to stabilize you. I say, that's a good thing. I'm glad. You stay on it. We don't play doctors. We don't do brain surgery. But if you came in and you said, I'm bitter. I'm mad. I'm full of hate. I want a divorce. Uh, I'm I'm lying. I'm living with a woman that I'm not married to. Uh, I, uh, on and on, you know. I'm selling drugs on the side. I whip my wife. I kick my kids. I hate my mother-in-law. I wouldn't do this. Well, you better go get a counselor. Why wouldn't I? Because the Bible is sufficient to address those issues in your life. God has spoken in those areas. He'd tell me what to do with a man that's becoming a drunk. He'd tell me what the biblical answer is. He would tell me what to tell a man that was whipping his wife. I've got biblical authority to tell him what to do. So I wouldn't act anemic and say, well, this is a little over my head. I'd say, oh, no, God has told us what to do. Well, I hate her. I hate him. I'm bitter. You're a believer? Yes. Uh, See any problem? No. I'd say, you need to repent. You need to repent. You're thinking wrong. I don't want to repent. Well, uh, don't waste any more of my time. Let me know when you do want to. I hate you now. Well, I know it. I tell you, I haven't let many folks leave that way. They don't refer anybody to me. Said <laughs> so, I even hate your pastor. Don't blame you. You didn't hear what you wanted to hear. People walk in. They've already got. Said, so "Tell me what I want to hear." Don't your blue eyes? What's that going? What's that? Tell me some lies. Don't your blue eyes make me cry? Come on, there's a second. Please tell me some lies. Don't we like to be lied to? We love it. You love where people say you're good looking and you know you're ugly. (laughs) We love it. We just go, tell me I'm good, tell me I'm good. And we tell you you're good. And we've all lied. But lying, telling you you're good looking won't make you good looking. Huh? Let's laugh at it. Break those mirrors. They're putting strain on them. You know? I love that line, don't let your ego write checks your body can't cash. (laughs) You know, you think you're good. Oh, I love to play basketball. I used to, it takes me a week to heal up. Uh, No, I'm not any good at basketball. And I'm not any of this and that. Who tells us the truth? Scripture, Scripture. And when we do it according to James, when we respond to the mirror and we don't break the mirror, and we don't run from the mirror and we say, God showed it to me, not to club me, not to condemn me, but to change me. I First, I've got to see the problem. And the Bible is an expert at exposing our problem. He says, it's like a two-edged sword that it divides things. They it puts it out there, it's actually the word, it critiques it. It, it, it cuts so fine, it can distinguish between soul and spirit between bone and marrow, it can just lay you open. It says, I've diagnosed you. I know what you need. And, and if you want to get well, you don't mind the doctor taking your part if they just put you back together. Because you want to get well. That's why the Bible gives a lot of law, a lot of law that makes you feel guilty. And you know why what's to make you feel guilty? You won't run for good news until you're convinced you're guilty. Let me say it again. The Bible says you're lost. You're going to hell. You don't know Christ. All of that is negative stuff. And we hate to hear it. We hate to hear it. It's like saying you've got cancer. You've got cancer. You've got cancer. Then I don't go to church to be told I've got cancer. I don't go to church to be told I'm a sinner. But what if you die in that state and you've never been told that? Would you automatically go to heaven if you don't know? Do we love neighbors we won't tell how to be saved? Love your neighbor as yourself. I love him so much I won't tell them how to be saved because I don't want him to dislike me. You won't ever hear how to go to heaven from me. I'm never going to tell you you're a sinner because I love you too much to tell you the truth. Oh, what lies we've been told. And what lies we believe. And people are dying and going to hell all around us and the church is silent. We're just good old boys. We're nice to be with. We're fine. That's a fun church. But they never tell you the truth. Never tell you about Jesus. They never bring him up. They're just nice. Bring him up. Bring him up. If you don't love the truth, God will give you the ability to believe a lie and be damned. 2 Thessalonians 1. Because they received not a love for the truth. He gave them up to believe the lie and worship the Antichrist and perish. God doesn't owe you a second hearing of the truth. If you don't want truth, God will let you believe lies. And I'm afraid many of us believe more lies than we're willing to admit. It's why we need to be coming face to face with the word. What does God tell us to do with the word? He tells us to preach it as he goes into chapter 4. Preach the word, Timothy. He says, go ahead, correct. Rebuke in verse 2 encourage with the word, and teach with patience. How should we use this book? Teach it? Preach it? Correct people with it? Let me say something about preaching, since I claim to be a preacher. There is an offense of preaching in our day. Preaching is waning as a a communication. I'm a hangover from a yesterday era of preachers. I grew up with older preachers. I grew up with men in their 70s. So I didn't learn to preach with my generation. I preached with a generation in their 70s. And we grew up that preaching was authoritative declaration. That preaching was not dialoguing. It was authoritative proclamation of the mind of God. And men who were wimpy outside could become lions in a pulpit because they felt they had an authoritative word from God. Now, in this culture... People are offended by anything authoritative because we've learned to question all authority. And if you tell me you know what you're talking about, I'm suspect. said, I don't want any authority over me. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Oh, I understand. We call that the sin nature. We call that Rebellion. Do you mean even if God says it? Even if God says it. When you talk to me, whisper. Don't get loud. Because that bothers me. I feel uncomfortable. Why do you feel uncomfortable? Well, it's just a little too strong. Well, we can do it this way. Your house is on fire. <laughs> you get it? That's that's enough. You're going to hell. You hate God. <laughs> and just kind of walk like Johnny or Letterman and just have a few open lines. Been entertained. Goodbye, all you hell destined sinners that I did tell the truth to. Or I just say this. I always say this as nice as I can. You're lost. And I don't want to be emotional about it because I'm an intellectual in the 90s. And it's real bad. Uh, But we shouldn't be emotional unless it's the A's game or the Raiders or the 49ers because church is where godliness is measured by control. And steadiness. It's true if you can be controlled. Don't be explosatory. My house is on fire, please scream. <laughs> if I am lost, don't act under control. Plead with me like Whitfield did. They couldn't keep the streams of tears back from his eyes as he told men of their eternal destiny and how lost they were. We're coldly concerned. Because we're not consumed with the truth of the message. It's no small thing to say goodbye to a Howard that you know is going to hell. It's no small thing to go to a loved one's funeral that you didn't tell him how to be saved. It is a matter of urgency. And preaching gives me an absolute. I don't invent my. If you find me inventing my messages. If I'm up here talking for Phil Howard. And if I say something that's not from the text. Please rebuke me. Please tell me to straighten out or you're going to go to another church and you'll do yourself a favor. But if I with all my being are try- am trying to tell you what he said, with tears, with loud cries, with soft, with pleadings, with emotion, with control, with argument, with whatever style I have, measure me by whether I'm telling you the truth. You won't have many people in your life that will. And any fool will be lied to. I will say if I resign this church in October for our 25th anniversary, I have not withheld telling you the whole counsel of God. I've told you everything this book told you, everything I had strength to preach. I've declared to you the whole counsel of God, and I'm guilty of the blood of no man. I have told the truth because I preached the word of God. You can order the tapes for 25 years and test it. Because truth grows, saints, and truth saves. And we must not be timid nor apologetic that we've got the only truth on this planet in this book. We must proclaim it, teach it, exhort, share it, spread it, love it, do it, embrace it. This is the only place you can find truth. And without it, I'm out of a job. Because you won't let angels preach it. you just let men and women preach it. Sometimes people worry about, uh, they don't always hear what they want to hear when they hear the Bible. If I had time, I'd tell you in detail, I'd show you 1 Kings 22, where when a king, Ahab, wanted to go to war against uh, another power, he made an alliance with Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. And uh, in chapter 21 of 1 Kings, Elijah's already told Ahab, you're going to die, and the dogs are going to lick your blood like it licked the blood of the man... Of Naboth, you stole his vineyard and you killed him and you're going to be slain and your blood's going to be consumed by dogs. First Kings 21, Ah, the king just kind of shuffled it off, sloughed it off, no big deal. But Elijah said, you will die. Chapter 22, Jehoshaphat and Ahab come together. And uh, Jehoshaphat's a little nervous about the war, and he says, can you call in some prophets? I want to know how the outcome will be. Well, the king's got a bunch of prophets on the payroll that lied to him. And they come in, he says, how are we going to do in this war? And they said, oh, you're going to do great. You're going to be victorious. It's going to be wonderful. And oh, Ahab, good, good boys. We'll keep you on. Jehoshaphat's a little nervous. He knows how this operates. He said, you know, Ahab, do you have anybody else? I just, I'm not real certain. Do you have anybody else? He said, I've got one guy named Micaiah, but he never says anything good about me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he, he never says anything good about me. Well, they bring Micaiah in, and, and Micaiah knows the king Ahab doesn't want the truth, and so he just fakes it. He goes through it. All right, Micaiah, how's the war going to turn out? Everything's going to be great, Ahab. And Ahab said, don't lie to me, Micaiah. You never tell me anything good. And so Micaiah said, do you really want the truth, in essence? Do you really want the truth? Yeah, tell us the truth. Jehoshaphat wants to know. He said, you're going to die. You're not going to come home from this battle. And the other false prophets got to go, oh, you'll come home, you'll come home. He says, if he comes home, God has not spoken by me. They go out and they have the battle. And Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, let's change our garments. You dress like me, I'll dress like you. A little nervous. And they get out there, and as the battle was hot and going to it, they begin to pursue Jehoshaphat, and they were chasing him down to kill him. What did Jehoshaphat do? He started stripping these clothes. It's Jehoshaphat! This isn't Ahab! This is Jehoshaphat! They stopped. They didn't want him. And O Ahab was getting away and as he's getting away an archer just said let it go. And when he did there was just a little crease in his armor. An open spot and the Bible says peradventure it found the opening. It found the place there was no steel protecting him. He told his charioter he said get me out of the battle I've been hit. So they took him and they held him up for a long time. They didn't want the army to be demoralized. But he's bleeding. He's wounded. And they drive him to one of the cities of Samaria. And when he gets there, he dies. And they take him inside and in. And when they come back to the chariot, there's a bunch of dogs licking the blood of the king. And First Kings says, And so was the word of the Lord fulfilled. I want to say this, God has no good word for you if you don't want to obey him. If you don't want to come to Jesus, there's no good word. Everything sounds negative. Because everything in your life is not working for good unless you love the Lord. If you don't love the Lord, all things in your life are not working for good. They may be working for your eternal destruction. And you have no guarantees. You need Jesus you need to come to it. You need to give up your sin and flee to Christ and be saved. It's only those who want to obey and cooperate with God that His words are like honey to our
0: mouth. And we do eat them. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available